You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. Still feeling downbeat, still feeling a little bit dejected after yesterday's defeat at the hands of Chelsea. But I have, for all my sins, watched the game back again. And we've picked out some uh, some points that I want to bring to you in terms of tactical analysis. I also want to talk about our player ratings. Uh, didn't get a chance to do that yesterday, being at the game. And based on some feedback that I've had from some of you guys uh, over the last sort of 24 hours, we're going to include that segment in the uh, tactical analysis show now as well. So uh, stay tuned, lots to come. If you are listening via the audio, hope you are well. Make sure you leave us a review, all the normal stuff. But if you'd like to jump over to YouTube as well, you're more than welcome to. You don't have to because I'm going to explain the points I'm making. But we do have some visual aids over on the video uh, version of the show, uh, which may help you to understand some of the points I'm making. But if you prefer to listen to the audio, that is absolutely fine. I'm just giving you the option. Uh, let me get it out of the way nice and early uh, so that we can focus and we can get really into the tactical side of yesterday's game. Uh, this show is, of course, brought to you by Manscaped.com. So for all your male grooming needs, make sure you check them out. They kindly sponsor the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, and uh, it's been a godsend. And obviously, uh, not only have they helped us and, you know, been great along the way, they do put out some fantastic products. And this is your opportunity using our discount code, which is 19min20, for you to save a fair chunk of money. Get yourself over there, uh, get your equipment in and give yourself some tender, loving care in that region. You know what I'm talking about. Check it out. Manscaped.com. Thank you so much for their kind sponsorship. Right, let's get on to the tactical analysis of yesterday's game. And I talked at length on the post-match reaction show about how badly I thought Mikel Arteta got it wrong tactically, how badly I thought he misjudged the game. And yes, I've got sympathy for Mikel Arteta with regards to the players missing. Yes, I've got uh, sympathy for Mikel Arteta when it comes to fortune, because sometimes he, he does strike me as someone who's really unlucky. But if you set yourself up like he set Arsenal up yesterday against a team that are far superior, you're going to lose. And even though we had players missing, I still feel like if those players were available and we set up in the way we did, which was in the 4-2-3-1 system, that the same issues would have would have popped up, the same problems would have been on show, and Arsenal still would have lost the game quite convincingly. So I'm not saying that, you know, we should dismiss the point about players missing. It is a factor. It is an issue. It is a problem that Mikel Arteta is having to deal with right now. But I don't think he did as much as he possibly could for Arsenal to get a result yesterday. I don't think he did his job well enough. And I think it's, you know, while it's okay to acknowledge, as I say, that those players were missing and give cut him a little bit of slack in that sense, it, it doesn't excuse the way he set the team up. And the way he set the team up was horrible, in my opinion. Horrible. And what makes it even more baffling is that over the years, or I say years, he's not been a manager very long, but during the time he's been at Arsenal, defensively, when we've looked at our best, it's been when we've played with that back three. 
with the two wing backs, with the two man midfield, and then the three attackers. So to kind of abandon that, to feel like that's not the way to go anymore, and to kind of be stubborn and, and fix in and, and focus in on playing this 4 2 3 1 or keeping up the 4 2 3 1, which we uh, seem to want to do, just feels to me like. It was an arrogance, a stubbornness. I don't know. You know, I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans in the aftermath talking about how we shouldn't change our game for other teams. Yeah, you shouldn't change your game when you go to Brentford. You shouldn't change your game when you play Norwich at home in a couple of weeks' time. You shouldn't change your game when you play against Burnley. But you have to change your game and you have to adapt your game when you play against Chelsea, who are far, far superior. But anyway, let's get into some of this analysis because I have watched the game back and I know... You know, a lot of you have probably read a ton since the game took place and seen it quite a bit on TV. But I think for me, what we saw in those two goals that we conceded was all the problems caused by Mikel Arteta's refusal to go back to the back three. I think that was our biggest problem, but it wasn't just the back line. It was what the midfield were being instructed to do as well. And it was an instruction. It wasn't something that they took upon themselves. So let me get into that now. And I'm going to show you guys... Uh, this first shot for those of you watching on YouTube. Don't worry if you're listening to the audio. I'm showing a clip of when the ball got played by uh, Mateo Kovacic into the feet of Romelu Lukaku in the build-up for the first goal. Now, Pablo Marie is getting tight to Romelu Lukaku. And I've seen Pablo Marie get really harshly criticised over the last kind of, uh, you know, 12 hours or so, 18 hours, whatever you want to say about his handling of Romelu Lukaku. But the reality is that Romelu Lukaku will do this to lots of centre-backs. The reality is that Romelu Lukaku can bully pretty much anybody, maybe barring Virgil van Dijk in this division. And you have to get tight to him. You can't just let him receive the ball and turn without any challenge. The challenge has to go in. And while Pablo Marie wasn't great, obviously, you have to remember that A, he probably isn't in the team if Gabriel and Ben White fit. And B, the problem, the bigger issue was the way we were set up around him because you see this sc screenshot here and you've got the ball coming in uh, to the feet of Romelu Lukaku. Now, there's a Chelsea player, maybe as Romelu Lukaku's facing the ball, maybe six, seven, eight yards away from him to his right, making a run into that half space, that space in between Kieran Tierney and Pablo Marie. And pulled out right on the flank is Reese James in acres and acres of space. Now, as the ball goes into Romelu Lukaku, Granit Xhaka has been left by the Chelsea runner. I'm not sure if it was, I think it was Mason Mount. But you see it here. The ball goes in and Mason Mount makes that darting run, as I say, in between Pablo Marie and Cedric. Completely bypasses Granit Xhaka. Bukayo Saka's not doing enough on that left-hand side to get back. He's got to help. If they're playing with wingbacks and we're not, then Bukayo Saka has to help out here. And he doesn't. He doesn't help at all. And the ball goes into Romelu Lukaku. And from this moment onwards, Arsenal are in trouble. Now, if I take it on to the next screenshot, the ball finds its way back to Kovacic. And when Kovacic gets the ball under control and looks up, Arsenal have been dragged in. They've been pulled in by the movement of Mason Mount, by Romelu Lukaku being such a physical presence. He's attracted the attention of two, three defenders. And at this moment in time, Mateo Kovacic picks up the ball, looks out to the right. There's acres of space for Rhys James. And you cannot, as I said last night, give time and space to top quality footballers because they will punish you. And Kovacic plays the ball out to the right-hand side. Kieran Tierney's had to come in 
to cover Mason Mount because you need to protect the width of your penalty area, right? You can't leave the man in the middle completely free and go and focus your attention on that player on the right. Bukayo Saka, for me, as I've said, should be back, should be doing more, um, you know, and should be helping out. He isn't. And therefore, that overload is created. And it's from that that they get the ball out to Reese James, who, by the time he controls it, is well inside our penalty area. And you know that Romelu Lukaku has the power, the pace and the strength to basically uh, bully his man, make a sprint into the penalty area. And when it comes to speed and strength, you're not catching him. And it's an easy goal in the end because Reese James has the composure and the quality once he gets it under control to just roll it across and put it into Romelu Lukaku's path. So for me, this error, this move, this incident came because Arsenal were not were not set up right. It came because Arsenal were too narrow. It came because Arsenal didn't have that extra man. And with Pablo Marie being pulled out of the back line by Romelu Lukaku, and he's right to go with him, he leaves a hole in the centre of the defence that Kieran Tierney feels he needs to cover. Kieran Tierney comes in, but then you want Bukayo Saka working back and trying to prevent that wing back having all the space and all the time in the world. And he doesn't do that either. So it's a catalogue of errors caused by... Romelu Lukaku's physicality and Arsenal simply not reacting to that. Arsenal simply not recognising that Chelsea, with their current system, have too much width for us to expect the back four to handle. Never mind a back four that was, you know, missing our first choice centre-back pairing, you know, and a back four that doesn't get all that much help from the midfield in front of them. So, as I say, it was a catalogue of things that led to that goal and led to those problems. And what makes it even more frustrating is when you then go back, or is then when you move to the next goal, is to see that very same thing happen again. It's exactly the same. I'm showing you a screenshot again of when the ball was played infield to Romelu Lukaku. Granit Xhaka goes on to make a slide challenge. He doesn't win the ball. But once Romelu Lukaku gets the ball in this position, again, you're seeing the same thing. Pablo Marie trying to get close to Romelu Lukaku. And again, there's that player in the half space. I think it might even be um, Mason Mount again. Just again, five, six, seven yards away from Romelu Lukaku. Again, they're getting runners close to him and they are dragging Kieran Tierney infield time and time and time again. And again, Reese James pops up on the right wing completely uh, alone. Again, Bukayo Saka stood there a million miles away from him. And when Mason Mount plays the ball out to Reese James, again, he's got the freedom of the right-hand side. He's got all the time and all the space in the world. And he finds the far corner. Now, these are basics. These are basics based on Arsenal setting up in the wrong way. These are basics based on Arsenal not reacting to what it is that Chelsea do well. Did Mikel Arteta not watch Chelsea? Has he not watched Chelsea since Thomas Tuchel took over? And he talked about in the post-match press conference about the fact that we had beaten Chelsea before in a, um, you know, with the back four. And so that was okay. That justified almost his decision and his selection and his reason to, you know, to play that way again today. Well, that wasn't Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea, who are a completely different outfit, who are European champions, who are on a completely different level to anything that Frank Lampard could produce. This is my issue. You know, he, this is my issue. I think that formation was tactical suicide. To not adapt our game to cope with a superior team was tactical suicide. And I really felt going into the game that given we'd started the season so poorly, given that we got Manchester City to come 
And given the fact Mikel Arteta could well be heading into an international break with zero points on the board, he'd have been that little bit more pragmatic. He'd have been that little bit more cautious and he'd have looked to frustrate Chelsea. And he didn't do it. He went the opposite. He went the opposite. He tried to, in many ways, take the game to them uh, by setting up the way we did. But the reality is we don't have enough quality. We don't have the strength. We don't have the physicality. We don't have the know-how. We don't have the organisation to play that way against a team that are a million miles better than us. And that is on Mikel Arteta. You know, we can talk about, you know, we can talk about all the players that were missing, as I've already said, and that is an issue, of course. But I genuinely believe that even if we had Thomas Partey in midfield, Ben White and Gabriel at centre-back, and Aubameyang starting up front or Lacazette starting up front, whichever one you prefer, we'd have still been exposed in the same way because we were set up to fail. And that, for me, is is criminal on the manager's part. And I think that most Arsenal fans will, will look back on that game and feel that we should have gone with the back three. Most Arsenal fans in the build-up were talking about the fact that we should have gone with the back three. So to see the manager failing to recognise that for me, is the most worrying thing of all. If, indeed, uh, we had played with a back three, we still might have lost, of course. But I don't think it would have been as easy for Chelsea to cut through us the way they did. And it happened not just once, it happened twice, which shows that we don't react to things in-game. We don't learn from things that happen in football matches and put them right. You know, it was obvious from really early on in that game that Rhys James was the outlet for Chelsea. Rhys James was the man that Chelsea were looking to release every single time and we never reacted to it. And we talked about the midfield. You know, if I take it back to a couple of those screenshots that I was just showing you here, uh, particularly around the first goal, if we go back to this again, why is Mason Mount making that run beyond Granite Xhaka in this frame and in this one? You can see again that there are Chelsea bodies in between the midfield and the defence. Why? Because the role of our midfielders has changed this season. And, and I, you know, you look at the way we played against Brentford. Let me share the tactics board up uh, with you guys uh, so that I can make this point uh, in a little bit more of a, I guess, a visual way. But if you think back to the game we played against Brentford, it was the same thing. It was asking Granite Xhaka to push up and to press people to press ball players like Jorginho, like Mateo Kovacic. He's never going to win the ball like that. He's never going to win the ball like that because for all the, the times that I've sat here and defended Granit Xhaka, we've always talked about a lack of mobility. We've always ta uh, talked about him not being very quick across the ground. And we've always talked about him being applied in the right way and what a difference that makes. Granite Xhaka being applied in the right way is Granite Xhaka sitting in front of your back four. Is Granite Xhaka becoming a part of your back four when you don't have, or when Kirantini bombs on and, and going that little bit deeper? And I think he started to do that after we conceded the two goals. You started to see it visibly a little bit more. You started to see him covering those spaces. But it should have been done from the off. And at the beginning of the game, the first 15 minutes or so, which Arsenal have received quite a bit of praise for, we looked really, really aggressive. And part of that was because our midfield were pushing forward. But we can't sustain that because we don't have the players to do it. You know, it was the same old thing. It was the same old things. You know, Xhaka trying to press forward. Smith Rowe trying to make things happen. Again, he was probably one of the bright sparks in the team. Uh, Pepe not really getting up to much. 
um, you know, a little bit ineffective again. But it was always those same patterns of play. Saka, Tierney combining, going on the outside, trying to make things happen. But then when we lost the ball, we had a major, major problem because you had runners, as I say, when when Arsenal got back behind the ball, this is what you had. You had a runner, as I pointed out in Mason Mount, running into this area here in between Pablo Marie and Kieran Tierney, making Kieran Tierney have to come in with him. That run being beyond Granite Xhaka. You had Romelu Lukaku occupying Pablo Marie. You had Marcus Alonso coming down the left-hand side as well. Kai Havertz joining in as well. And every man was occupied. And I've talked about this time and time again. If you want to defend against a team like this, if you want to defend against any team effectively, you need to, as often as possible, be in a situation where you have a spare man. And Arsenal never had a spare man at any point when they were defending yesterday because Chelsea were overloading them, knowing that they had the security of that back three, knowing that Jorginho would sit that little bit deeper as well and make that a four if needs be. For me, it's boring. It's predictable. We're seeing the same problems over and over again. And there comes a point where you have to start asking questions when the tactics are completely and utterly wrong. Now, there are some games that I've I've seen Mikel Arteta manage. And we've come out in hindsight and said, I think he got this wrong. I think he got that wrong. And I'm very wary of being a bit of a hindsight merchant. I think that that's not fair uh, a lot of the time. I think that there's a lot of Arsenal fans out there that do that. I think a lot of the time we look at the lineup and we say, yeah, that's the team I'd have picked. And then when it doesn't work, we go, oh, well, I wouldn't have done this now or we, or we should have done that. But actually with this one, I think this was a glaringly obvious misjudgment from Mikel Arteta. I think it was obvious within 10 minutes, the problems that Chelsea were going to cause us. And it was only a matter of time before we got punished. I know people say we started the game well and we did in terms of energy. We did in terms of, you know, being aggressive I think the fact that the fans were back in the first 15 minutes we were in the game, people were kind of riled up and that helps. It makes it creates almost an illusion when you hear the crowd going at it that Arsenal are really, really on top and that Chelsea have their backs against the wall and that we're really in control. But actually, what did we create in that period? What did we create in terms of clear-cut goal-scoring chances? And the answer is not very much. So when I see the same things happening over and over again and when I see fundamentally huge, big misjudgments like this one, I cannot forgive for that. I cannot back the manager off the back of a performance like that. It's really difficult. It's getting increasingly difficult, actually, to keep defending him. And that's where I think the game was won and lost. I think the system was wrong. I think that we never really managed to identify the problem before it became an issue, if that makes sense. We never managed to identify what was wrong with the way we'd set up um, quick enough. It took us too long. And as a result of it taking us too long, we found ourselves two goals down against a very good, shrewd side. And we had no chance of turning it back around. So that's where I'm at with it. You know, it was a really frustrating game. And I think when you watch it back, you know, we talk a lot about the um, the the way we attack and we do it without much creativity, without much guile and our play is really predictable. Talked a lot about that in the game against Brentford. So I'm not going to go too deep into our predictable uh, kind of patterns, uh, attacking patterns of play, because to me, the biggest talking point was the way that we basically hung Pablo Marie out to dry. Now, I don't think he's good enough to play every single week. I've never said he is. Um, you know, he's 
got many limitations as well. But, you know, you're asking him to go physically one-on-one against one of the most powerful forward players in world football, if not the most powerful forward player in world football. And you're not setting up the team around him properly. And then, you know, he's been made a bit of a scapegoat when actually I don't think that was the big issue. I think the bigger issue was the way we set up around him. The fact that Kieran Tierney was being dragged infield time and time again. And a lot of people won't criticise Bukayo Saka because they love him. And, you know, fair enough. But Bukayo Saka's got to do more there. He really has got to do more there to help his teammates out. And if I just show you those screenshots again, this is the first goal. Build up to the first goal. He can see. He's facing the play. He can see that Kieran Tierney's been dragged inside there by Mason Mount. He knows where Reese James is. He's got to make an effort to get back there. And if you take this on even further, when the ball comes back to Kovacic, he still hasn't sussed it out. He still hasn't worked out that Reese James is in miles and miles and miles of space on the right-hand side and still doesn't make a move over there to try and prevent him uh, getting into the penalty area. And that, for me, is unforgivable as well. So we can talk about the shape and we can talk about the system. And I do think overall that is the problem. But if your players don't do basic things like that, basic things like tracking men, then you're you're up shit street. And, and this is the annoying thing with Arsenal fans, I find. And, and when I say Arsenal fans, I don't want to make generalisations. But a lot of people, the, the the real frustration for me is that they'll dig out certain players, but they won't dig out others and that's not when you dig someone out for one performance or you look at one aspect of their game and you say he should have done this better or he should it doesn't mean you you hate them and you don't like them and you're not supporting them but Kyle Saka has to do more defensively there and he doesn't he really really doesn't and I've seen Nicolas Pepe getting a lot of criticism actually um since yesterday's game people telling me they don't want to see him in the team ever again he actually did more from a defensive standpoint though than then, uh, Bukayo Saka did. It's why Marcus Alonso wasn't the man that basically beat us. It was Reese James. Because down that right-hand side, we actually dealt with it quite well. And, and don't tell me Marcus Alonso doesn't like getting forward. Because he does. You know, he does. He loves getting forward. He's been a thorn in our side many times in the past. So for me, that work rate was missing, as well as the tactical setup being wrong. And that, unfortunately is a disaster waiting to happen. I know a few of you are kind of defending um, Bukayo Saka in uh, in terms of his fitness and saying that he wasn't 100% fit when he shouldn't be starting the game then. You know, if you can't, if you don't have the fitness to track someone back 15 minutes into a football match, you shouldn't be playing. It's as simple as that. And then again, I would question the manager. So you've got to do more. You know, you've got to do more. And and I don't care how long he's had it pre-season. I don't care if he's been, um, you know, I, I don't think, I don't care if he's been, uh, you know, away at the Euros in the summer and all of that jazz. If you can't last 15 minutes, if you can't give your maximum for 15 minutes, which is when that first goal went in around about that mark, then you've got a problem. And, and Bukayo Saka, for me, he didn't help out enough there. And again, People won't people won't have it. People would disagree. People would defend him. And they'll defend him because they love him. And I love him too. But on this occasion, you have to look at him and say that he didn't do enough to help his team out there. He didn't do enough to compensate for the fact that they were creating that overload time and time again. And when it happens once, you can forgive people. Lapse of concentration. But you can't forgive it when it happens over and over 
and over again, like it did yesterday down that right-hand side for Chelsea. So there we are. That's my tactical analysis of Arsenal nil, Chelsea 2. Going to go through the starting 11 and give you my player ratings as well. Uh, so um, I look forward to hearing um, from uh, you guys uh, to see whether you agree with them. I'll name the player. And before I give my explanation, you can quickly pop your ratings in the chat and I'll pick up some of yours as well. Let me just bring up the team uh, in front of me so that I don't forget anyone. In fact, why am I looking at my phone when I've got it uh, right here <laughs> on the screen? I was just using it, wasn't I? So let's start uh, with that uh, starting 11. And uh, we'll start with Bern Leno in goal. Um, I didn't think Bern Leno could have done much about what happened to Arsenal yesterday. I'm going to give Bern Leno a... I'm going to give Bern Leno a seven because he weren't silly in possession, which is something that I've accused him of lately. I think there were a few goal kicks that he took, uh, Bern Leno, and um, he didn't rush into making the wrong decision as he has done in in times gone by. Does he take too long sometimes to decide to then go long, in which case you might as well just bloody do it from the off? Yeah, he does. But uh, he made some really good stops yesterday and that save from the Lukaku header uh, was fantastic. So Burn Leno gets a 7 out of 10 for me um, based on that performance yesterday. Cedric, uh, I'm going to give Cedric a 5. I thought he looked poor. I thought he looked unfit. I thought he looked sluggish. He, he couldn't move around the pitch. There was one moment where the ball got switched over to Chelsea's left or right and the ball had, had gone over and Cedric had tucked in as you should as a fullback and was trying to get out to Marcus Alonso. And he just took ages to get there. He just took an absolute age to get there. And then he was holding his side and then he, he just never moved freely in the game. Didn't offer us much in terms of getting forward. But having said that, wasn't as exposed as Kieran Tierney, probably though, because Pepe helped him out more than Saka helped Tierney out. So I'm going to give Cedric a five out of 10. I think that's a fair rating uh, for Cedric. He wasn't a disaster, uh, which is why I can't give him below five, but not very good, uh, not very convincing. And it uh, didn't go any way in convincing me that we shouldn't be looking for a right back uh, during the remainder of uh, of this transfer window. Moving into the centre of the defence, Rob Holding. I'm going to give Rob Holding a, a six. I actually think Rob Holding was okay. Um, not brilliant, but okay. I thought he was in a better position than Pablo Marie, given he was supposedly the spare centre-back. It was ne He was never really spare because Chelsea's runners were occupying everybody, as we've explained during the analysis, and that's largely why Arsenal couldn't live with them. But I don't think Holding was, was too bad. I give Holding a six. Um, again, uh, a victim of the system, really. Um, and, you know, just quickly touching on that system before we continue through the ratings, I think for me that I do wonder if the idea of Ben, I do wonder if Ben White miss being unavailable, messed up my words there. I do wonder if Ben White being unavailable put Mikel off of playing that back three, but I still would argue he should have done it. So uh, holding, I'm going to give him a six. Pablo Marie, let's have your ratings in the chat for Pablo Marie, but I'm going to go with a five. Now, I know a lot of people have given him less than that and they're, you know, and I think they're being a little bit harsh just because I don't think anybody matches up to Lukaku physically. 
Uh, people can say he was bullied too easily. He was dragged out of his position, which he doesn't want to be doing. The midfield never took players off of him because they were too busy uh, pushing up the pitch and we never managed the transitions well. I, I don't know really what else Pablo Marie could have done. Um, what did I say I was going to give him? Did I say I was going to give him a rating yet? Oh, I'm confused myself. In fact, I'm going to make it a, a, a four for Pablo Marie just because he did get as someone described it, as Lewis described it on 90 Min earlier, he got ragdolled um, by uh, Romelu Lukaku. But I also accept and acknowledge that that is, is going to happen to a lot of players. Um, no, I'm going to give him a five. I'm going to give Pablo Marie a five uh, because, as I say, I thought he did the best he could, but was never going to win that physical battle. And if you allow their striker to isolate him, which is why I keep saying you needed that spare man in defence to help him out. Then, um, then it's a problem. Moving into the midfield, uh, Granite Xhaka <laughs> playing in that role where he's asked to press higher up the pitch, like he did in the first half. He just looks like a fish out of water. He looks like a goldfish, like all like this on the on the patio. Like if you take it out of the pond and you leave it there, and it's like flopping about everywhere. Just, he just looks so uncomfortable. He isn't quick enough across the ground to close people down, um, and therefore he is not a presser. Therefore, if you want him in the team, which Mikel Arteta clearly does. Then, um, then you, um, you know, then then you have to play the way that suits him, and we didn't do that. So I'm going to give Granit Xhaka a four. Uh, going back to Kieran Tierney because I realised that I've, I've skipped Kieran Tierney. I'm going to give Kieran Tierney a four as well. Again, I didn't like Kieran Tierney's performance yesterday, but I'm going to give him a four just purely based on the effort that he put in. There were some really hard sprints, some really. Uh, kind of aggressive closing down done by the Scotsman. And that, you know, effort you can never fault Kieran Tierney for. But again, the reason I'm giving him a four, and, and that might seem generous to some, is because, again, I think he's a victim of the system. I really, really do. I think that the wrong setup meant that so many players looked out of position, out of control, and looked terrible uh, to me. Also, uh, Sambi Laconga. I thought he was one of, the, one of the positives from yesterday. I'm going to give Albert Laconga a six and a half. And the reason I'm going to give Lokonga a six and a half was because it was an extremely difficult game uh, for him to come into. I thought he worked quite hard. I I'm still not sure he's adapted 100% to the pace of the Premier League, um, but I'm going to give him a six and a half for some wonderful passes that he played, long passes. Uh, really enjoyed uh, those kind of moments from Lokonga. There was two or three that I thought were excellent. And there was a couple more where the idea and the intention was right. He tried to play a Bamiyang in, in the second half, I remember, and he didn't really execute it 100%. But um, yeah, it was a good idea. It was the right idea. And I like to see that kind of ball progression. So six and a half for me for Lokonga. I'm going to give Smith Rowe a six and a half as well. Again, one of the, the bright sparks uh, in the Arsenal performance. But I'm still... I just want to see that little bit more in terms of the X factor when he gets into those attacking positions. I still want to see him rifle one into the back of the net. I still want to see him sometimes be a little bit more single-minded, get his head down and go at people. Still think he lacks that a little bit, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, but six and a half uh, for me there. Uh, Bukayo Saka, three. Three at best, uh, because he didn't impact the game in an attacking sense, and I thought he was not good enough from a defensive point of view either, which is not something you can normally say about Saka. He normally does put in a defensive shift and I don't think he did that at all. I thought he was terrible uh, yesterday and uh, that's the reality. On the other side, Nicola Pepe, I'm going to give him a four. Um, again, 
gets a four just purely because he did that defensive work uh, for me, you know, and, and helped Cedric out quite a bit. But other than that, again, no impact in the final third, very little impact in the final third. Had a couple of moments in the first half where he kind of cut inside and opened the pitch up a little bit. Uh, but then the passes that he played were not good enough. The execution wasn't good enough. And uh, so, yeah, Pepe gets a four from me. Gabriel Martinelli chasing shadows all day up against three big Chelsea centre-halves. What did people expect from him? I don't know. Not even a striker um, and had to do that role. I'll give Gabby a four as well. Uh, but as as Christoph says in the chat, through no fault of his own because he was chasing shadows all game. No service. When he did get the ball, he had, as I say, Rudiger, Azpilicueta and Christiansen all around him. And it was almost a, a, a thankless task for Gabriel Martinelli up top. I do feel sorry for him. So uh, there we are. So those are my player ratings for Arsenal nil Chelsea 2. Let's get a couple of your questions in the live chat box as well. Uh, start popping them in there and I'll take uh, a few before we um, before we wrap up the stream while you are doing that, while you're popping those questions in. Uh, hit the like button if you hate Spurs. Uh, hit the like button if you want Mikel Arteta out. Uh, I'm just trying new ways of driving up the likes. Because when I don't drive up the likes and I don't say it, they're not as high. So uh, people, please, if you haven't done so already, do hit the like button. There are over uh, 240 of you watching us right now on YouTube. And uh, we've only got 51 likes on the board. So if just half of you hit that like button, we would have 100 likes uh, sooner rather than later. And it really does help the channel. Uh, helps us take it forward. But remember, if you haven't subscribed uh, and you are new or you're a bit of a freeloader watching without being subscribed, which there's a fair few of you that do that, please do uh, subscribe to the channel. We are 300 away from hitting the next marker of 16K here on YouTube. If you're listening via the audio, please be sure to leave us a review. As I explained last week, we had a bit of an issue where we lost um, we lost some of the ratings because of... Uh, a duplicate feed being created on Apple podcast and we merge them together, but Apple say they can't take all the ratings over, which is annoying. Uh, so please would love to get those up. And also before I forget, if you're fed up of Arsenal, if you don't want to hear about Arsenal, if you want to hear about something else, something more refreshing, something more exciting, then I have got another podcast. Uh, it's called Simply Seria. And uh, we returned for the first show of this season this morning, myself, and Tommy Milanese talked through the opening weekend of Serie A action. It was great fun, some great analysis from Tommy, some great points as always. And the link is in the description. If you're wanting to support me, please do uh, subscribe to the Simply Serie A podcast. Please do leave us a review over there. Um, it isn't the size of the Chronicles of Aguna, but we want to get it there eventually. And it is a real passion project of mine. It's something I love, something I enjoy. I get the odd Arsenal reference in there as well, as you do. Uh, but it is something that I, I like doing and I enjoy taking a break from the labours of being an Arsenal fan every now and then. And that's my kind of my creative outlet. So please do check it out. Simply Serie A. You can find it on all major podcast stores and you can find the link in the description. Please do. Uh, show your love, show your support. Uh, let's take this one from uh, Adam Chisholm. And there are a lot of questions around about uh, this kind of topic. So I will uh, address them all pretty much uh, in this one. But Adam says, how long does Arteta have realistically? It's so difficult to say, isn't it? Because, you know, we could easily, we probably will lose to City at the weekend. And then 
there's the international break. We've got that game against West Brom coming up uh, on Wednesday night. I feel like it's important that Mikel picks the first team now or picks the best players available to him. I know that we've got a trip to City at the weekend, but we just need a win. We need to get off the mark. And, and given the way the first two games have gone, I think it's really important that we do that. And it's really important that he starts to get us uh, into a rhythm. And if that means playing the first team that you're going to play at City again uh, at the weekend, then you do it because we haven't got European competition this season. We've got far less games. Do it. Do it, Mikel. Play the first team. In terms of how long has he got, well, can you imagine if we don't beat Norwich when we return from the international break at Emirates Stadium? what the atmosphere around that is going to be like. It is going to be horrible, isn't it? Um, and uh, we're going to have to wait and see. And lots of similar questions, you know, how much how much longer till change from Inter? Um, Lewis says, uh, do you fear the worst for Arteta if we lose to West Brom? You kind of have to, don't you? Um, you have to fear for him in terms of the, the opinion completely turning against him. But in terms of the club sacking him, I don't think they're going to sack him in the first couple of months of the season. I'll be really surprised if they do. I've got to be honest. It might be the right thing to do in the eyes of many, but I, I just can't see it happening. Uh, Matt G says, Harry, where the hell do we go from here? <sighs> don't know. We need to get our players back. We need to We need to be tactically better. We need to be physically better. We need to be mentally better. We need to pay more respect, especially in games against the big six, uh, to our opponents than we did yesterday. It is so difficult, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, so who was it that said here? Hold on, let me just find this one. Um, Phantom says uh, no manager rating, zero, zero for Mikel Arteta based on the way he set us up yesterday, and the fact that he failed to recognise the issues um, quick enough to do something about them. Let's see what else we've got. Um, uh, Ilka again, similar sort of question. How long do you give him? Let's face it, most of our expensive players, except Pepe, have been out. So I wait until we see Gabriel White, Partey, Odegaard, Obalaka all in at the same time. Yeah, and uh, look, I've said it time and time again throughout this show. You cannot, um, you cannot dismiss the fact that those players were missing because that's completely unfair. You cannot write off the impact that they might have had. But when, in spite of that, the manager still gets it horribly wrong. If anything, with those players missing, should be more of a reason to be more pragmatic. Should give you more of a reason as a boss to say, hold on a minute, we don't have all the tools at our disposal. Therefore, we are going to be more pragmatic. Therefore, we're going to set up in a way that limits our or, or reduces Chelsea's ability to create chances so easily. So that's what frustrates me. Actually, by having those players missing, it should encourage you even more to do the right thing, which is be more pragmatic and set us up in a certain way. And I, and I just, even now, you know, even now, almost 24 hours on, I'm sitting here at home, um, been out and about working this morning. Check out the Nighty Min show, by the way, uh, where I was put through the grill on that. Um, about the game, even now, I'm still trying to understand what it was in his head that made him say, I've got players missing, but even still, I'm going to try and take the game to Chelsea and we can match them. Because no evidence in the last six months suggests that we are even on the same level as Chelsea. And that's the reality. That is the reality. Right. Um, I am going to leave it there. A uh, big thank you to everybody watching us live. Big thank you to everybody 
who will be watching this back later or who will be listening via the audio platforms. Appreciate every single one of you. Hope you've enjoyed the tactical analysis. Hope you've enjoyed the player ratings uh, segment. And uh, we're going to be back a little bit later on with some more Arsenal talk. I think we're going to do a bit of a Q&A uh, on this evening's podcast. So keep your eyes peeled. Probably do that around about five, six o'clock, maybe. I'll keep you guys posted. Just uh, depends on how work goes. Always a busy day after Arsenal play. Uh, but yeah, I'll catch you all a little bit later on with more uh, Arsenal content. Until then, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.